What are design's role and responsibilities in a devastating war like Vladimir Putin's illegal conflict in Ukraine? And what can designers do to help their countries during and after such terrible tragedies? I'm Alice Rawlsthorne, co-founder of Design Emergency with Paolo Antonelli, and in this episode we'll hear from a designer who's confronted all those challenges and more in the past year, the Ukrainian architect and designer Slava Balbek. Slava, welcome to Design Emergency. Hello, Alice. Nice to see you and hear you. Well, great to see and hear you. Slava is founder of Balbek Bureau in Kyiv, which is one of Ukraine's most successful architecture and design groups and won awards for its work in Ukraine and internationally before the war. When I interviewed Slava for Design Emergency last year, a few weeks after Putin's invasion, Balbek Bureau had already launched Kyiv Volunteer, a non-profit food kitchen and delivery hub to support the local community, and unveiled design proposals to build temporary housing for Ukrainian refugees when they return to their homeland after the war. Construction has since begun on refugee housing and subsequent design proposals, including a 3D printed school in Lviv and a project to preserve Ukraine's beloved historic monuments. Kyiv Volunteer has relocated to the eastern Ukraine, where the fighting is concentrated, and Slava is now also serving as a military volunteer. So Slava, welcome back to Design Emergency. And can we begin with you describing what the current situation is in Ukraine? I can say for myself, because I'm, I'm for now um, balancing in between uh, Kyiv office. And uh, as you can mention, that I have monthly shifts for the front line. Uh, so while I'm staying in Kyiv, everything is well. <laughs> so of course, uh, we are used to this. this well, I can say, yeah. So we do have shelling, we do have sirens, uh, but I think uh, Kyiv is more or less used for the situation and we treat it like well. So it's not great, it's not super cool, it's, it's well because there are so many places which has worse situations. So in Kyiv I can say it's more, more or less stable, the sun is shining, the coffee, coffee shops are fully packed with people, there is road jams on the streets, so it's not like it was a year ago. What are your current priorities as a designer at Balbeck Bureau? Actually, I treat myself as a team leader, so we split our expertise for several groups. I think kind of 30%, one third of our team is continue working as the volunteer team to cover up the social initiatives. And the other, other, other third, two thirds, uh, continue working as the commercial, commercial team to try to carry up all the commercial projects that we have here for now, for today. And uh, the quantity of this is growing, like I can say pretty, pretty stable growing. Maybe it's because of our uh, social initiative, which gives us really well covered by media, like world, worldwide media, that's why uh, for now, we do have so many jobs to do, uh, as well as the social initiatives, as well as the commercial design group. Because comparing to the previous year, it's uh, much better statistics, I can say. So, still a precarious situation and, and a surreal one, but you're all commendably continuing to run your businesses 
lead your your lives. And can you talk to us about the logistics of running an architecture and design agency in Ukraine during the war? And how do you balance your responsibilities as a military volunteer with your responsibilities at Baalbek Bureau? All I can say, um, it's all about discipline. Uh, because I'm a, I'm a person who lives uh, according to this uh, Google, Google calendar. So I do know that uh, I have a monthly shift at a, a specific day. I have shifts for 10 days. So I switch myself. It's kind of vacation. So everybody in an office know that I can cancel the meeting or for example, they're not setting up all the meetings for whole day. So it's fine that I can uh, be as the military volunteer and I'm still on the like in connection with the Kiev office. I can be on Zooms. I can switch myself for the, some kind of checking all of some architectural task or be participating in some project developing. So it's just a little bit different percentage of my involvement in those projects. While I'm in Kyiv, it's an opposite balance. So I'm like 80% I'm uh, in the office stuff and the other part of me is preparing setting up the something that we can do should do and be prepared for the other shift or upgrading our techniques and uh, so on and so on so on. so for me I'm, i was living as a matter uh, triathlete yeah uh, years ago so maybe this uh, teach me well how how should you be prepared for the super straight and uh, discipline because you need to know while you're preparing for some competition or some starts. So you need to be super focused of something that you do daily or weekly or monthly. So now on, I'm just switch myself from the sport discipline to war, war life balance discipline. We call this war life balance. And do you have colleagues at Baalbek Bureau and your peers at other design agencies who are also volunteering? for the military, so we're leading these same split lives. Yeah, for sure. Actually, there's few of them. There's uh, uh, four of our employees joined the army uh, on the official ones, uh, official contracts. I mean, uh, me as a military volunteer, don't ha we, don't, we don't have the support from the government. We don't have pay, paid salary. We wouldn't have a contract. So actually we help as much as we can. But we do have the flexible settle to serve. So I can choose what is the timing of me being there, what is the daytime, when I, when I can serve. So it's, it's a, a support that will help, but uh, I don't have some super straight uh, shuttle from, from the Ukrainian army that I should be there at that day or something like this. For sure, I'm, I'm trying to stick for the tasks which I am working with the official troops because we have a contact with the official Ukrainian armies there on that sector where I'm working on. So they know that I will be on this date and I will serve for several weeks and they know that I will help with those, with all those. So it's kind of uh, like hobby, as I can say, but this is the hobby that we need to do, like for sure. 
Well, and an incredibly important and potentially perilous hobby. I mean, one of the the things that has has most impressed the international community, I think, about um, Ukraine during the war effort is not only its strategic and logistical efficiency as an army, but the flexibility and imagination with which the daily life of millions of Ukrainians has been adapted to sort of allow for the turmoil of the conflict and to enable people like you to contribute while still making a different contribution. And of course, you're also making another very direct contribution to the design response to this terrible war through the re-Ukraine projects that you and your colleagues have developed to plan ahead for the future after the war, after victory um, for Ukraine that we all want so badly. So can, and these have made a massive international impact in terms of media coverage, the interest of politicians, potential investors and other partners. So could you talk us through them and the thinking behind them and where these projects are now? And if we start with one of your first projects, which was the Re-Ukraine Temporary Housing Programme. Actually, the, what, what, what past year teach us, uh, it's to be systematic and uh, to have a to have a plan, like uh, and it's, this plan should be optimistic. And uh, the thing is that you need to be focused on the long-term support, on the long-term uh, distances. You can't be like uh, impulsed to have something, to have a create some idea, and then to release it. You should know that the rebuilding and reconstruction right now is how we call here. It's not on the time. So 99 percent or 90, okay, 90 percent of the uh, impacts and the funds are focused on the militaries, on the volunteerings, but not about the, like supporting the local communities. And as we are, as the architects, uh, we decide to took the temporary solutions. As you know, you have an emergency, temporary and long-term solutions. So we took the temporary solution because usually people are just losing those that you need to have some temporary solutions to be prepared for the permanent ones so if you have an emergency ones it's a it's a it's a giving you a chance to be prepared for the temporary ones while you you while you're setting up the temporary solution it, it's giving you a chance to be prepared for the permanent so in ukraine you don't have a temporary solutions on, on that much way as, as we understood that it should be there so that's why we took the temporary solutions and and then we have a priority of global challenges for Ukraine. So we go from the bottom-up strategy, we go from the people lowest level needs, I mean the person, to the safety of the people. That's why we took the housing as the first part, the first priority thing, to take a, a care of the housing and to be the people which been relocated and this relocation should be covered with their comfort level, with a dignity life, with the something that gives them a possibility to continue living and acting normally. Because we know well that while you're losing your per personal space, you're losing as well all the social connections, all your initiative that you've been involved in. And you need to be, first of all, covered with the comfort level of living and the possibility to continue living, still keep learning, teaching, making sports, thinking about your mental health, 
That's why we call our architecture a treatment architecture. We can call this a treatment architecture because it helps you not only to have a private property that you lost, it helps you to like rejoin with, the, with your family, reconnect your mental connections. So it's really important to stay on that, uh, on that uh, way of thinking. And all the solutions that I sh should add, the, all the solutions should be systematics. You can't think about local solution of architecture. You should set yourself to work in the field of the digital architecture or generative design or uh, something that can, can cover uh, on the level of country needs, not on the like district needs or street needs, for example. You can't develop the solution for a house while we can create solution for a million of houses. That's why we're working on the systematic le level and we're trying hardly to research and develop in the field of digital architecture. For example, this online builder uh, that we call Villages uh, help us to create 200 million solution only going through like 10 minutes or 8 minutes through 12 steps while you're choosing the di different design code elements of the small villages and then you can create it millions and millions on, on solutions and then you just can download the PDF and use this uh, PDF file with the uh, architectural uh, projects that you can use for rebuilding, reconstru reconstruct uh, your private houses in Kyiv region. Something like this, I mean. So essentially this is temporary housing which are designed in a modular way for speed and, and efficiency for people returning to Ukraine after the war from other countries where they've been living as refugees, but also for the hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians who've been internally displaced from the eastern area of conflict to the, the west. And you released the, the design proposals for these projects. And as we've discussed, there was a, a huge surge of international interest in them and media coverage of them. What's happened since? How have you managed to attract investment, um, sponsorship and, and support? And what is their practical status in terms of construction? Uh on one moment of the developing project, we, we understood that uh, nobody believes in PDFs or web pages or landings. Uh, so we need to do in one-to-one real-life model to show what it's about to live a comfort-level life. Because uh, for us, not the aim to cover all of the Ukraine such houses, but show on a small pilot project. And we actually start just nearly start building site. It should happen like a half year ago, but the, the exact situation in Ukraine with the shelling, with the blackouts, and it's really hard to prognose the building site, to make the uh, traffic calculations for the building sites. And it's really hard just to be uh, effective right now in Ukraine. But we are hardly trying to continue a building site with this pilot project, which is, uh, consists from two different sections. The, we just we can call this not only the housing for the 15 families as well it's a social club which their physical and psychological help uh, uh, cabinets there would be the social group there would be a place where the people can have some 
new learnings or lessons uh, to, to just improve their best in the computer languages and etc. So it, it's a social club for the local community and we made a deal with the Buchas uh, government, I mean the Buchas uh, local authorities and they gave us a land uh, for free for uh, 80 months. So we will build up those uh, pilot, uh, pilot projects and as a developer, so our Baalbek Builder team is not thinking about the architecture. We will build it up, we will use it as we understand as should be. We will make a social research, we will interview the, those people and those family will, will be living there. We need to discover what should be the system of living uh, the com comfortable life for a year or for one and a half year. And then afterwards we will release a report which will be covering all of the social project problem, problems and issues uh, and what, what's about to live a real comfortable life, even in temporary, temporary solutions. So I hope this project will, will be finished. For sure, we are hardly trying to find the, the, the companies, the partners who will believe, who, who is believing in, in this initiative and why it's so important. So it's not just about to giving a, a home for 15 family. It's about for something which can cover the worldwide problem of uh, refugees and of temporary displaced people. I'm not, and now on, I know that Ukraine are in focus on this theme, but as actually there is a worldwide problem of uh, taking care of the temporary displaced people all over the world. So it's not the, just Ukrainian problems. That's, that's, that, that's that we are trying to discover. Have you already been approached um, by other countries facing similar difficulties? I believe that each situation is unique. Uh, because uh, we should leave uh, the existing moment and we know the, the technologies, the, the digital instruments, the digital tools, the, the involvement and the support of other countries are different in different conflicts or different disasters. So, and we are really focused in the situation in Ukraine, what can be done and the, the only thing that I can say, you can never wait for the end of the disaster of the war to try and to be helpful. So, I mean, if we will wait and if we will still be waiting for the end of the war and doing nothing uh, and waiting uh, to start doing something, we will lose a year because we were taking care of this project more than a year. We start like 10th of the March last year, start developing this project. And here we only starting the, 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 the construction side. So, and it was a year of hardly working a team of 24 people or 25 people. So I can't imagine where we'll be, we are, if we are not started there on that moment. And it's a huge achievement to have got as, as far as you have and to actually be on site um, constructing. And there are images of this project, the, including the construction site and all the other projects that um, Slava will talk about on our Instagram grid at design.emergency. So you can log on and see them there. Um, presumably, Slava, there's also an element with these projects of 
encouraging your fellow Ukrainians to look ahead to the end of, of the war at a time when the turmoil and tragedy it's caused must often seem overwhelming and also part of the diplomatic initiative of Ukraine to encourage other countries to believe in Ukraine, believe that it will win, and hence to justify its support for them. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But the, I can say that Ray Crane Housing, it's not the only project that we are trying to, to be helpful with. So we have the villages, this is the online tool, which is recreate uh, destructed houses in the small Ukrainian villages. We have a we, we already released the recreate monuments, which uh, taking care of covering of freestanding monuments all of the all of the Ukraine. We start with the key. We produce the four, first pilot, pilot covering, and then there was actually a, a shelling just a hundred meter from that covering, and it stays there. So actually, it was a crash test for this. It's a covering with it's. Those project monuments, it's about temporary aesthetics, that a temporary solution should be as well aesthetic. So you can't leave a year just uh, with covered with the sandbox, the monuments that you just be loved in. So we develop a project which shows you the proper shell and the graphics over this that can show you the profile of the freestanding monument there and some small info board there. You can understand that the housing, it's not only the project that we actually work, it's one off there. Yeah, so we are trying to stick our concept of global priorities from the people to society, from society to, to for, for the environment, from the environment to revision, from revision to rebuilding. So actually there is stage and we prognose our work until the end of this year, actually, and we know well, of course, we are off the graphical, off the shuttle a little bit. We don't have our resources to cover all of our initiatives, but we do have the straight, uh, strict vision that, that we are doing the right way. And we know that we will never stop until we will finish all of this initiative, because this is the part of the global system. It's not the, some specific different project. You should think and you should act systematically. So it's uh, something that you can really share with the world. And another fascinating project that you're working on is a 3D printed school, which is already under construction in Lviv. Can you tell us about that project? I mean, the school looks beautiful and the use of 3D printing is incredibly impressive because of its speed and efficiency. Yeah, it's it's. Thank you for question. Th thank you for asking this. Uh, this is uh, our collaboration with Team for UA. Uh, amazing project, actually. Yeah, and it's a super extremely fast. I actually couldn't imagine uh, how fast is this printing. And we developed it in in past year, and uh, they actually start should start printing this a little bit earlier. But they reserved this printer uh, on the. Uh, early spring so they just nearly started and actually now on and you have a link to 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 see how it goes online so actually you can see a daily reports you can see you see the online cameras how it's layer by layer it's been printed now on it's even higher than my my height so and it's really cool so the the problem is that you have some specific size of the site so which printer can cover 
So from this project, we developed two parts of the house, which is connected with the glossary. So it, it will be like one part of the school and the other part of the school, there would be a one floor, one, one, one story building, but it's covered, connected in between with some glossary box. I love this project and I'm really happy that it's happening here in Ukraine because, for example, this as well is a pilot project as an answer of the global changes. So if you can like reserve this printer or buy this printer and then you can print out the schools for for a month, uh, for sure, this is a good solution uh, as an option. I mean, for sure, first of, first, of, first of all, you should think of renovating those schools that have been, been, been damaged. But if it will be necessary and you have a like blank side, you can use this technology because it's it's pretty amazing. Everybody is waiting what's going on, what will be next, how how they will use it, how what's about the heating there and other questions, other issues is construction issues. But this is the future, as I can say. <laughs> it, it is indeed. And so what do you think its benefits are? For example, what is its impact on the time taken for construction? By how much does it speed it up? I think uh, I'm, I'm the really realist, yeah. And so I would like to see the finished project. So now on, it's a prognosis. Now on is the hope that it, everything will be fine. So let's see how it goes. And the statistic will tell us afterwards when it will be started, when the kids will be work, uh, studying there, when it will be a hot summer, cold winter, etc. And then after, the, after this, we can say, okay, this is the, the, the good solution or it's a bad solution. So what other new projects are you working on right now? If the answer should cover the social ones, I just we just talk about them. So and it, them took so much time to, to work on because while you have no finance there, we are, our bureau is covering by ourselves and actually all the employers on the, all the groups are, is the group is the employers of Balbek Bureau uh, and we are working only for donates for the, or some local sponsor, sponsors. But uh, the commercial ones, for example, I don't know. I, actually, there's also another commercial ones. I just nearly come back from the Antarctica, where we set it up the installation uh, uh, home memories uh, it, it, a month ago. But actually, for me, it was a kind of dream. I was working there for one and a half months. It was on, on February. Uh, I was traveling across the world. It's the uh, like farthest point where the people can be on Antarctica and there is Ukrainian research base and they ask us to develop some kind of sculpture or art installation around the old shipping containers, oil, oil tanks containers. And actually there was a concept with the some profile-less uh, home, like symbol of the Ukrainian ho ho home, small homes. Uh, it was produced a year ago and it was delivered there by icebreaker ship uh, a year ago and, and I had a tickets on the March 2022 to go there to set up this installation but for sure for the for the reason of full-scale invasion we, we canceled the trip and only a year passed after the year we decided to go there and to finish the job because all the parts of this house were laying there and, and stored there for, for a year. <laughs> so we did it actually. It was super, it was amazing trip. 
you you were living on a, like in a dream you're waking up on the island you see the whales you you see the penguins and uh, you you feel yourself like on different different planets something like this but we finished this and the, the first day when we just come back to Ukraine, I forgot all the project because it was like a, a, a dream. And I mean, it must be such an extraordinary experience to go there. Everyone I know who has says it's so beautiful and, as you say, different in unimaginable ways. Now, you've also been experimenting um, with digital technology and with artificial intelligence in terms of the, the reconstruction of Ukraine after the war, and you've developed a, a specific tool to help designers, architects, developers and citizens to visualize um, what can happen. Can you um, describe this for us? This is the earliest phase of developing this tool. So the concept is, uh, if you have some destruction area or destruction region, you just make a photo and then the AI will generate you based on some methods, for example, the um, exterior architecture or the architectural context of the building or the design code of the street or the year of the architecture which you are trying to recreate and then it will generate uh, several options which would be like based on this design code that we are setting up with the with the oldest methods we are really it's the hardest project because we don't have any of like experiment uh, experience in this uh, digital architecture or ai technologies and we are really learning right now so we set up a team which is like contacting with all these companies who is having experience on those those for for me it will give a, a how can i say uh, is to give you a possibility to believe that something is is there, something in future, so you can vision the future through this iPhone, I don't know, computer, because now on people uh, in Ukraine don't know what is about for the strategy of reconstruction, what will happen there. They are continuing living in halfly destructed building or halfly destructed living block, so and nobody tell them who will be the architect, how, how you will visualize the solution. So, but if you have a chance to see through, like to open your mind and to see based on AI technologies, how specifically region or specifically house will looks like, maybe you can save this image and it will warm your heart some, some time and it will help you to believe that it will come someday. Because each action starts from the vision. While you have the vision, you can just uh, collaborate with your neighbor and start painting or building or fixing. While you don't have it, you are just waiting. And now on, millions of Ukrainians are, are waiting while the country is fighting with the enemy, you know? so. Sure, and also I'm sure it's applicable to other countries where there have been other tragedies that have led to mass destruction, like the terrible earthquakes in southern Turkey and northern Syria. Sure. Now, if we could talk more generally about the long-term challenge of redesigning, repairing and reconstructing Ukraine's infrastructure after the war, it's obviously a gargantuan challenge. The World Bank recently estimated that it'll cost over $400 billion 
billion US dollars to address the damage simply caused during the first year of the war and that the full process of reconstruction and recovery could take up to 10 years. Now, I realise that this is an exceptionally complex and challenging situation, but what for you are the key priorities? Well, I don't really have an answer for it now, uh, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, we're trying to, we understood that we, we, should, we shouldn't spread ourselves all, for the whole the problem of reconstruction or rebuilding or strategy for rebuilding. We set up ourselves for some really straight, how can I say, the priorities for ourselves and we're trying to stick by them. You are part of a very dynamic design and creative community in Ukraine. And one of the few advantages of the terrible challenges created by the war is that it has given an opportunity for the Ukrainian design industry to prove its skills, its talent, its vision um, to an international audience. Are there any projects by other Ukrainian architects and designers that you particularly admire? Yeah, I. I know that the, the Rosquit initiative, for, led by Oleg Drozdov, uh, is really working on the really cool analytic of something uh, for the reconstruction. And my, my friends, Alex Shevchenko, is working with Restart Ukraine as well. They keep working as we are from the first days, and we like working side by side. I know well what what's going on there, so. There, there's lots of them. There's, it was much more on the very beginning because people were really involved in those. So they, it was the like survival strategy reaction. People was trying to act and to be helpful. Uh, there would be there. Then it was a gap, a little bit lower level of initiative, and now on it's becoming again because people I feel safe. They set up themselves in a safe place. They set it up the office. They cover all this first, first priority needs. So people are coming back for, for, for to be helpful in the social initiatives. And it's good. And actually you can see like monthly more and more initiatives. I am sure. And of course there is tremendous support for Ukraine at this tragic time within the global design community. So from a practical perspective, what can we do to help? Um, we need an option A, B, C, D and F. So that's why we need to have uh, the other vision from the other countries uh, for the alternative strategy, for alternative solution. We need to have an options to choose what is the best way. So uh, there is it's it's not about to to ask it's about uh, and wait for the act for the for, for for some request it's about to give a solution with no asking for i mean if you have a good idea and you know how to be helpful just took your time and then make the solution and deliver it to ukraine and it's it will be amazing that that one day somewhere it will be helpful. It's better to have 100 options and choose one of them than have, than have two options and choose one of the two. So that means the design community should never stop, should continue working, should continue research and develop, trying to be helpful. It's not only about design community. I really believe on the, 
on the digital technologies and digital tools because it will help you, it will save your resources, it will save your time. And with this online chatbots, uh, it, it can be really helpful. Just people need to, 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 to discover this and to, to continue working on this because the, the war, it's, it's still going on there. And uh, the best impact will be after the war when, when the sponsor and or will believe that the investments in Ukraine are safe. So we can build right now, we can recon reconstruct it right now. Right now, it's not much people are believing that investments in Ukraine right now is safe because what's, what will be if you will rebuild the school and the next day it will be shelled? What's, so that, that means that you should continue working on the digital level. Well, Slava, thank you so much for coming back to talk to us on Design Emergency at such an intensely challenging time for you and your compatriots. I know you're going back to the front line in a couple of days, and it's been so inspiring to see how courageously and resourcefully the whole Ukrainian design community has responded to this war. So the deepest respect to all of you and to everyone who's listening. Thank you very much for joining us. You'll find images of the projects that Slava has described on our Instagram feed at design.emergency. And we look forward to welcoming you back to Design Emergency very soon, when we'll be talking to another remarkable force in design now and in the future. Thank you, Slava and Slava Ukraini. Thank you, Alice.